You are listening to episode four of the Design Influence with Albie Nose. During my time as a designer, I have seen this debate brought up often when it comes to specifying products. And I know that personally, it is definitely something I've wondered for my own business. You know, when it comes to sourcing online as a designer, do I source trade? Do I source retail? Do I have options? Do I do both? Now, I can say from experience um, and just from my own observations as well, there are pros and cons to both, which we are going to get into. But like I said, I see it come up so often because designers just like myself are just not really sure which way to turn. And then this is usually predicated by the assumption that e-designers can only source retail and that they can't source trade, which ends up leading to just bigger questions like which one is better for e-design? How do you source trade online? What's the value add in one over the other? And how does this compare to when you're specifying product for full service design? Now, in case no one's said it to you before, I will happily be the first. E-designers do not only source retail. Boom, I said it. (laughs) Or at the very least, they don't have to. I know lots of designers who choose to only specify retail in the same way I know lots of designers who specify trade. And I'm talking about e-designers. And essentially that choice is just what they've determined makes the most sense for their business model. Bottom line here is that you have a choice. When it comes to specifying as an e-designer, you are not limited to one or the other. It comes down to your business model, how you're trying to make money, which one fits the best way that you operate. Are you designing online exclusively or is e-design a service that you offer? The decision of how and where to source is going to be personal to your needs and the needs of your business. So I am not expecting you to walk away from this episode feeling like I have given you, you know, the golden key to unlock the magic (laughs) of product specification. Instead, I'm going to present some pros and some cons and some options to you so that you can make an informed decision when you're trying to decide which one is the best fit for you. Welcome to The Design Influence, a show dedicated to changing the conversation and creating impact on and offline. The Design Influence is all about you, the online designpreneur, helping you be a better designer and entrepreneur in this new digital landscape. I'm your hostess with the mostest, online interior designer, content creator, and nonstop idea machine, Albie of Albie Knows Online Interior Design. If you're ready for some candid and caffeinated conversations about everything from decoding interior design tools to growing pains as an entrepreneur to figuring out what the heck it means to be an influencer, then turn up your earbuds and let's dive in. Today's episode is brought to you by Gather, a visual platform that helps you source product, communicate with clients, and eliminate hours of admin headaches. Whether it's for a big project or a product roundup blog post, Gathers help me streamline all of my product specifications, project details, and budget tracking. And I've basically created my own one-stop resource library. I know you're going to love Gather as much as I do, so head over to thedesigninfluence.com forward slash gather to get started with a free extended trial. 
Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to the show and welcome to today's episode. So before I even really dive into what it looks like to specify trade or specify retail, I want to walk through a few definitions because sometimes we hear these words so often, there may not be as much clarity around what they mean, um, which in turn makes the rest of the process a little bit more complicated than it needs to be. So sourcing retail. It means you are using retailers that are really easily accessible or commonplace. So they're not exclusive to the design trade, to this industry, and they're usually consumer facing. So with or without you, without a design professional of any kind, the client could easily just shop that retailer on their own. So we're talking about retailers like West Elm, Crate and Barrel, Wayfair, you name it. Susie Q customer can walk into said retailer or go on their website and just start shopping. She doesn't need a rep, an account, or any fancy setup to buy her sofa, her rug, her bedding. If she has the money, then she can buy the things. Now, there are quite a few pros that seem pretty obvious. Um, I'm going to break down three of them um, in terms of pros to specifying retail. The first one is convenience. It's convenient for the consumer. It's convenient for the designer because there aren't any steps to go through to start shopping. Like I said, if you have the money, you can buy the things. You go in the store, you go on the website, and you shop. The end. The second pro is accessibility. And this is, again, both for the consumer and the designer, especially for a retailer that also has a brick-and-mortar presence. So an e-commerce retailer is accessible in that you can go online, um, but when it comes to one that has a brick-and-mortar establishment, whatever recommendations that you are making to the client, they can actually go and test them out for themselves. So they can actually walk into the store and sit on the sofa, see the swatches, feel the fabrics, and do everything that they need to do. Even if you're working with them virtually, they are now brought into the design process in a way that's tangible, and they can be as hands-on as you want them to be and as they want to be. The third pro is familiarity. This is especially for the consumer because they know the name. And that familiarity gives them comfort and it gives them peace of mind. So think about you make a recommendation um, from, you know, whoever your vendor is. You know, your favorite vendors that you checked out at market and you're like, oh, my God, so-and-so would have the perfect lamp for this project, the perfect dresser, whatever. You make that recommendation, you use the vendor name, and the client is very likely to look at you like you have 10 heads and all 10 are speaking a foreign language. They don't know these names, these brand names, these vendor names, not necessarily. But if you make those same recommendations for a retailer that also happens to carry that vendor and they're sold. And, you know, not because the product is suddenly better. It's the same lamp. It's the same dresser. But they recognize the name of the retailer. It's a name that they know, a name that they trust. So suddenly they're a lot more confident in the design process, especially since it is virtual. As with most things where there are pros, there are cons. 
the first con <laughs> is accessibility. So yes, it is a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing because guess what? There is nothing to stop your clients from going rogue and just shopping without you. They may just happen to recognize a sofa that was on the mood board. You know, they recognize it because it's a site that they browse often or it's a store that they pass on their commute, whatever their case is. They see it, they know it, and then they decide to buy it. At this point, the design has officially derailed because maybe in the example of a sofa, maybe it was just a sofa that you used as part of the mood board. It was part of that initial concept presentation, but you were still working on the space plan. Now they go out and they purchase it and the scale is wrong. Or maybe it was a piece that was approved, but now that they're in the store or they're on the site, they're just having a field day buying all the things. The second con is profitability. And this is probably one that I hear come up the most. Um, And when I say profitability, I mean lack thereof (laughs) um, for the designer. Because even though a lot of these retailers do offer quote unquote trade discounts, they're hardly ever anything to write home about. They vary, but typically the average that I tend to see, it hangs around the 10 to 20% off mark. Um, On a really good day, you might even find some retailers that go as high as 30% off. As retailers, there's a very big chance that their holidays or their promotional sales or their grab our newsletter sales (laughs) have deeper discounts than the trade discount. Um, something easily as high as 50, 60, 70% off. So there's no, from a client perspective, there's not necessarily any benefit. Um, You can't sell them on that. And especially because these trade discounts can't be combined with promotional offers. There's no value add. Um, If part of your business model is to profit from products, That's not happening if you're specifying retail. Now we're going to get into what it looks like to specify trade. Specifying trade, unlike retail, means that the vendor is exclusive to you as a designer or another industry professional. So without an intermediary like a designer, clients, consumers have no access to the vendor or brand. Now, some vendors and brands do sell wholesale to retail, but generally speaking, um, to get access to that product, they need to go through a designer like you. As a designer, you're working with vendor reps or maybe a design center to bring these products to your clients. The pros. The exclusivity (laughs) of specifying trade. And this ends up opening up a whole world of other benefits. Um, I'm talking about you're preventing rogue shopping. (laughs) Um, You're providing a curated, um, more custom experience for your clients. And you get to get a little bit more creative because you are not accessing more exclusive products. Even with the vendors that do wholesale to retailers, more often than not, what is available to designers is a much wider assortment than what's available 
retail. So you can really create this very special client experience. The second pro is profitability. <laughs> With deep enough discounts, you can easily make very impressive profit on products, whether you choose to share your discount with the client or not. And that's a whole other debate, probably for a whole other episode. Um, honestly, with some of these vendors, this can end up serving you as its own revenue stream, separate from your design fees. And for a lot of designers, this is proven to be extremely lucrative because depending again on the vendor, the discount, your volume, you can really turn around and make a very impressive profit. Again, where there's pros, there's cons. <laughs> the first con is the accessibility because not every vendor is e-design friendly. And this isn't to say that the vendor themselves won't work with e-designers, but just instead, the way that they operate may not really work well in an e-commerce space. So it's not always as easy as shop, add to cart, pay, deliver. And for you as a designer, now you may have to factor in things like order minimums, drop shipping, and all these other moving parts just to facilitate the order. Is it impossible? No, not, not at all. <laughs> but depending on your business model, it just may not be worth it for you to go down this route. The second con is the entry point. Translation, do you make enough or specify enough as an e-designer to sustain these accounts? Um, if the minimum order, let's say, is $1,000, but your e-design projects, um, in terms of how you're specifying, in terms of the volume you're specifying, only average about half of that, um, and now you're breaking it up across multiple vendors, you may not be meeting those required minimums. Now, an alternative to this might be just limiting the number of vendors you use so that you can probably like clump in more items into like for one project into an order, um, but it can still be a deterrent. And it is worth noting though, if you offer a full service, this may never affect you. <laughs> this may not be a con for you um, because you can supplement the orders you're placing with full service projects. But in general, just even getting your foot in the door can be a bit of a challenge depending on the size of the projects, the number of projects you're bringing in, and all of that. Sourcing product is a major part of being a designer. I mean, duh. <laughs> but for a lot of you, once you've nailed down the type of product you wanna offer, be it for a project or in your content, now you have a whole other challenge. How do you catalog, present, and track everything that you've sourced? As an online designer and content creator, Gather has been my saving grace for making product management super easy to deal with. So I'm talking about clipping product directly from the browser from any site. I'm talking about keeping all of my products safely cataloged and organized. I'm talking about having product presentations and budget tracking automatically generated for me with just a few clicks. I know you're gonna love Gather, so I want you to check it out for yourself by heading over to thedesigninfluence.com forward slash gather, G-A-T-H-E-R, <laughs> to get started with a free extended trial. 
test them out and I promise you are going to wonder why you didn't try them sooner and suddenly this one piece of your business is going to start running so much smoother. Now let's get back to the conversation. Now we know what specifying trade looks like and what specifying retail looks like. As an e-designer, how do you do it? <laughs> um, how do you really go about choosing which one's the right fit? And then how do you really actually do it in a way that makes sense when you are designing in the online space? The short answer is really, again, you got to consider your business model and how you want to make money. First and foremost, if you do not know those two things, we can just hit pause right here <laughs> and go figure that out. Um, but you do have options. And that, that is what we're here to talk about. I want you to know you have options. So specifying retail. You can choose to charge a flat fee for your shopping service. Um, and I'm not talking about like your design fee, but just as a an Alamode or an add-on or whatever, however you want to, you know, pretty it up and package it, you can charge simply for your shopping. Um, we already know that in retail, the discounts tend to be pretty shallow. So in doing this, you've already ensured that you're making a fair profit on the time that it takes you to execute the purchases. And this gives you the flexibility to extend the discount to them if you want to um, and remind them of the benefits of working with you. You could also use affiliate links. So if you're not doing the shopping and you're passing off the shopping list for the client to shop on their own, um, using affiliate links allows you to make a bit of a commission. So I imagine if you are the designer who hands off a shopping list, you're using a clickable shopping list. Um, and so if you're part of an affiliate program, you can convert those links from just, you know, regular www.yourfavoritestore.com backslash sofa <laughs> to whatever your affiliate link would be. So short of them really just ignoring your list altogether, there's nothing extra for them to do on their part. They're still clicking adding to cart shopping, you know, as they would. And you've just earned an extra couple of dollars on top of, you know, your design fee, um, depending on the commission rate. Um, and most affiliate programs, I've seen the commissions range from like 2 to 10%. Kind of just really depends on the retailer, the program, mm -hmm. all that jazz. So we're going to do a little bit of math. Um, I am a math nerd, so we're going to put some numbers to these words. So let's say you've created a shopping list for your design client. The list totals $10,000. We're going to make this easy with some just simple to calculate numbers. A $10,000 shopping list. And for the sake of the conversation, we're going to say every retailer on that list happens to offer 5% commission. Just by using affiliate links versus the regular links, you've now earned an additional $500. So 5% of that $10,000, $500. That same $10,000 list, um, but now they're not shopping for themselves. You're doing the shopping for them, going back to the first way I told you you can make money. And again, for the sake of the conversation, we'll just keep it clean and say that all the retailers on the list offer a 10% discount. 
So now that's a savings of $1,000. You could choose to split the discount 50-50 with the client, and now they've saved $500, you've made $500, um, and this isn't counting the flat fee that you charge them for the shopping. Or maybe you extend the full discount for them. So now they've saved $1,000, and you're comfortable doing this because the flat fee you charge offsets that. So there, like I said, there are ways to make money in addition to your design fee, even though you're specifying retail. Now, when it comes to specifying trade, there are a few more factors to consider um, because when it is something that is exclusive to the industry, upholstery versus window treatments versus wallpaper versus lighting, they can all be separate beasts, <laughs> you know, in their own way. Um, but for the sake of the show, we're just kind of going to keep it very like broad in general. Um, and there are a few ways that you can use trade to your advantage as an e-designer. The first way is that you could just simply specify a larger retailer that carries trade vendors. So yes, they are consumer facing, but they're also extremely trade designer friendly. So this allows you to take advantage of a much deeper discount on more exclusive pieces. So essentially, you open a trade account with them, but because they are more designer friendly and they cater a bit more to the design community, they may offer you a trade discount that looks like a wholesaler discount, essentially. And you now have an opportunity to earn a profit on the back end while still saving your client money on the front end. And because they are set up to sell to consumers and designers alike, it now eliminates the need for you to deal with receivers and dropshipping and all that jazz. The second way is you could use a design center or a design collaborative. Now, there are very key differences between these um, models. Um, they definitely are not the same thing, but here's why I'm placing them in the same category. With both, you are essentially benefiting from the collective of discounts available. So again, very different models, but the idea is the same. You don't have to go through the initial setup of multiple vendor accounts. All of these centers and collectives, they're not consumer facing, um, but you can apply as a designer, as a professional, you can become a member, you can join, apply, whatever <laughs> you want to call it, and you can take advantage of those accounts that are already set up and then go forward in the way that you would with your client. And the third way is just setting up your own trade accounts. <laughs> um, if you're a full service designer, there's a strong chance that you already have accounts set up with vendors. So as I mentioned earlier, using these as part of your e-design is just business as usual for you. But if you're offering e-design exclusively or, you know, just starting out, figuring it out, um, you just have to do a little bit more research on your part. Which vendors, first of all, do you want to work with? Um, it sounds nice to say I want access to everybody, but we're, we're going to be a little bit realistic here. Um, keep it to a small list because like I mentioned earlier you know especially if you're looking at people that may have minimums and things like that you stretch yourself too thin you may not hit those numbers really research who you want to work with who you love who fits the style of the type of design that you offer all that jazz um, and then research who will accommodate your business needs so 
are they e-commerce friendly? Um, do they have minimums or not? Do they offer drop shipping or not? Things like that. Who will fit the needs of what you are trying to create? And then set up meetings at market. You know, reach out to local reps. Follow their social media platforms. Whatever it is that you need to do to start a conversation and build that relationships. Because especially for the ones that aren't necessarily set up for e-commerce, um, the hesitation tends to come from them wondering, well, how much are you really making as an e-designer? What's your volume as an e-designer? Um, fair questions. So, you know, you want to be able to confidently address those concerns if they were to come up. Um, first of all, you got to address them for yourself. <laughs> um, if you know that they'll, that you're attracting the clientele that is a fit for trade specifications, have those conversations because it's not impossible. It may require a bit more legwork, more networking, and more in-person engagement, but it can totally be done. Okay, so now we know what we're talking about, trade versus retail. Now we know how we could implement it in our business models. Next, why would you choose one over the other? At the risk of sounding redundant, I'm going to say it again. It comes down to your business model. So when I say your business model, I mean, how do you want to make money? Thinking about, do you want to sell product? Do you want to do affiliate marketing? Which one just feels better for you, speaks to you more, um, is more effortless to you? Um, do you want to build trade relationships? Does retail just better suit your desired clientele? How much of your time and talent do you want to invest in e-design? And then specifically, how much of it do you want to invest in sourcing product for e-design? Because for all intents and purposes, there is a very stark difference between specifying a sofa from, let's say, room and board, and specifying that exact same sofa directly from American leather. <laughs> you know, what is that difference worth to you? What are you charging? Are your fees reflective of a quote-unquote retail designer or a quote-unquote trade designer? Because there is a difference. Who are your clients? The client that wants to get in and out doesn't want to deal with custom wait times. They, they don't care. <laughs> they are more than happy with something that will be delivered to them in three to five business days. So that that also is going to make a difference. When you factor in all those questions that I just mentioned, that is going to be what helps you decide, are you specifying trade, are you specifying retail, or are you specifying both on a case-by-case -case basis? You need to assess where you are currently, where you want to be, and what you're most comfortable with. There are ways to make money no matter which route you choose. But this isn't the kind of thing that you just want to kind of just wing it, you know? <laughs> if you're getting regular e-design clients and this is a healthy part of your business, use your historical data to determine where you land when it comes to retail versus trade. Now, if you've been doing one over the other already and it's working, how can you continue to build on that? If it hasn't been working, the one that you have been doing, where are there opportunities for you to improve? Or is it just time to consider the alternative? Or can you use both models, like I said, and it just be like on a case-by-case -case 
basis. Look at your numbers and then go from there. If you're just starting out um, with e-design, then reverse engineer what you would like your business model to produce for you. Put some numbers into a spreadsheet, think through your tangible results, and then you will start to be able to figure out what the best fit for you is going to be. Because no one's going to know better than you which one is the right fit. I can't tell you this. The point here is so that you know you have options. Um, again, when I hear this come up so often, it, it's usually predicated by the thinking that e-designers can only source retail. That's a lie. <laughs> um you have choices, you know, I know there was a lot to dissect here, but I want you to understand that that was the biggest takeaway. You don't only have to do one or the other. So if you are that e-designer who has been sitting on the fence, wondering where you fit in, I just want you to know that you fit in wherever you make a space for yourself. You know, there are no right or wrong answers here. It just has to make sense for you. If you're already a practicing e-designer, I would love if you tell me how and where you tend to specify products for your projects. And if you're not, you know, already established and practicing and you're kind of getting your feet wet, let me know if this has helped you kind of think through some of the challenges that you were anticipating. Take a screenshot while you're listening to the episode. Tag me on Instagram, on Facebook, at The Design Influence, so we can keep the conversation going. I want to know what your product sourcing process looks like. If you have encountered any challenges, whether it comes to retail or trade, if one works better for you, if one doesn't work at all for you, um, let's, let's have that conversation, you know. For more details on what we talked about today, all of the show notes, um, a few resources as well, head over to thedesigninfluence.com forward slash podcast. I do hope that you will continue to join me every week. Um, So definitely subscribe, share with your design bestie, leave a rating and a review if you have not already. I would truly appreciate it. We are still at the very beginning of the show. This is a baby show, you know, so I need to know how we're doing to kind of help navigate where we go from here. So definitely let me know what your thoughts are, share it with your friends, and I will talk to you guys next week. Bye.